This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Welcome into another episode of the A-List podcast. I'm Kwani A. Lunas, joined by Aishra Blakely and Gary Washburn, who made fun of me. If you're watching this, I know some people listen, but I'm wearing a hat because I just came from the gym and I, I look sweaty, so I'm just trying to keep it all together. Listen, L. Don't try to take the attention off that cap, LL. We are addressing it from the top. I am addressing why I'm wearing a hat. It's because I went to the gym. And I'm a little sweaty looking, so I'm trying Amit, to. Amit, can we show a picture of LL with his Kango? I think the younger generation probably don't know the LL reference. They think that they think I, you know they don't remember LL when he used to wear the Kango. They just remember him from, from from TV now. LL yeah, Cool K, I'm Cool K. There we go. <laughs> Make us a day. <laughs> Let's move no. on. Let's get to the show. That was smooth. All right, we yeah, have to talk really about the Celtics as we always do. They're the winner of 14 of their last winner, 14 of the last few games that they've had. They're facing Charlotte coming up next. Jason Tatum's looking incredible in these games. First take analysis from the jump of their last few game performances again. Tatum is balling. Mm -hmm. Like balling like we've never seen him before. We've seen him have stretches where he looked dominant, but there are two things are happening now. Not only is he looking dominant, but He's looking dominant against dominant players. I mean, how many times have we seen Kevin Durant outplayed by someone that isn't already established? And he was out. And Kevin Durant is still an amazingly awesome player. Absolutely. Not taking no shade, from, taking nothing away from him. But mm-hmm. he got out. He got outplayed when yep. the Celtics were in Philly. Same thing with Embiid. He got outplayed. You start looking at the the resume that Tatum is putting together. The team's winning. He's playing great, and he is outperforming the best of the best. When you start doing that. It's not even so much about how he's a pretty good player. He's he's setting himself apart as one of the best in the game right now. Yeah. I mean, I think Jason is playing great ball. Uh, I think he carried the team against Brooklyn. And, and I've said, and I've asked him, when you get in these situations where you face the game's greats, it was, you know, Trey Young, and then it was John ja Morant, and then it was uh, Kyrie and Durant, you got to feel like you're the best MF on the floor. Like you got to, that's how the greats do it. You can't be, you know, well, I went to your basketball camp, Kevin. Yeah. You're still the great. No, man. You know. Give me your jersey after the game. Yeah, yeah. No. Jason, you know, hug Deuce after the game, hug your mm-hmm. mama, all that great. When the game is over, when you are on the floor, Jason, be a killer, an attacker. Take their hearts out. That's what how that's what the greats you see Jordan doing though. Hey guys, I, I looked up to you, Dr. J. No, he's trying to take his heart out. And Deuce did that to Jordan and LeBron and the same thing. LeBron did that. Like you have to prove you're the best on the floor. Jason's 24 years old. Durant's 33. So he's nine years younger. You know, like you should be the best player on the floor. You have the skill set to be that guy. So I'm just happy that in terms of him fulfilling his potential that that's what he's doing that's what you want him to do if you're a Celtics fan you want him to go in, in these situations and not be intimidated and not saying he was before but just right. go into the situation and go in there and say listen I'm the best dude on the floor I'm gonna show it I think that's a really good point you've always brought up the fact that at least this generation in light of social media 
it seems as though everyone's a little closer, those rivalries that we used to know don't necessarily exist. I just started watching Winning Time, and we could get more into that if you both have watched it yet, on HBO. It's about the Lakers, the rise of the Lakers dynasty. But of course, it focuses on Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. And that transition is to say that now we have T- Jason Tatum being in the conversation like Larry Bird, where he dropped 54 points and has had fi- four 50-point games over the last um, past season. So is this time to put Tatum in one of the conversations? I know it's always premature, but would you start to put him in a conversation of eventually becoming one of these all-time greats? Go ahead, Gary. Um, I think for this year, you put him in a conversation to be an all-NBA. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think he got left off the team last year, lost his $30 million. I think he's late, erasing any doubts about being all-NBA. I do think that he has. He's already the twentieth all-time leading scorer for the Celtics. Like that was just not. He's twenty-four. You know, if he if he spends his career in Boston, yeah, the number zero is getting raised to the Raptor. All that. He, the world is in front of him. The world his he he can call his shot. Stay healthy. Stay out of trouble. Keep keep your focus. Do your thing. He can be one of the all-time greats. He's twenty-four years old. He's the the the, the prime reason like the the way you do it you come you, you're one and done you you get your you know chops early you become a supreme player by the time you're 23 24 years old so your prime lasts longer and then you make all this money like Kobe did and LeBron did all and then you become one of the all-time greats he is on that road it's hard to say oh he's destined but if you look at the the greats of his age Kobe Kobe and Kobe in 2000, Kobe's 24 in 2002, you already won a couple championships because uh, Kobe came out at 18. LeBron in 2007, LeBron was serving fools. He was serving, um, you know, Sherrod's Pistons with 25 straight points in 2007 or whatever. So, like, Tatum is approaching that. He's not quite at that level yet, but he's approaching that prime, and his prime should last five years, five to six years where – 25, 26 to 31, and then, you know, put up all those numbers. And so he's on that road. Not saying he's going to do it. Right. Things have to happen right for him. But yeah, he has put himself in that position. We have a tendency to, to project what guys are going to do and, and, and almost look at it as kind of like, like in, in the investment world, looking at futures for guys. And, and Tatum right now, I mean, you look at his metrics at, the, at this point in his career, four plus seasons into it compared to the other greats, he's frankly, at where they were or ahead of them in almost every metric. It seems damn near every two, three months, Tatum is doing something that no Celtic at that age had ever done before. And for him to be having that type of significant impact at such an early stage relative to others historically, who at that point, he's ahead of them. It speaks to where he's trending. It speaks to where he's at in the whole grand pantheon of all-time great Celtics. As Gary pointed out, he is on that road. But the one thing I will say that I think gives Tatum a bit of a uh, an advantage is that unlike a lot of those guys, they either played with a lot of other Hall of Fame type players or they gradually built themselves up into being a Hall of Fame player themselves. He's somewhere in the middle because remember – this guy played with Kyrie Irving at an early age. He's played with guys who was incredibly dynamic in, in various mile markers of their careers. Isaiah, he saw the best in Isaiah Thomas. You, you, you 
again, Kyrie, Kimba Walker. And he learned a little bit from all those guys. And he had a little bit more success early on compared to some other guys who maybe were drafted where he was in his class. And it's built him to where he's at now, where this is his team. And I think we sometimes forget that this is really the first year that it has been his team with no safety net. There is no other elder all-star caliber player around now. He's had that with Kimba. He had that with Kyrie. You know, younger Al Horford was in that category as well. Jalen is a good player, but Jalen is not a seasoned veteran of the all-star experience the way those other guys are. So my point is this. Jason Tatum is emerging into this, this incredibly talented, can put the weight of the franchise on his back, and he is at that sweet spot, folks, where fellas in his class – he is catching them and giving them the business. OGs, yup, I got something for y'all too. Kevin Durant, Trey Young, bring them all. I got this. And that, to me, is what's separating him from a lot of other guys that we talk about. They're either already established OGs in the, in the all-star pantheon of, of greatness, or they're just basically outperforming Young Bucks. Tatum is catching – everyone is catching them bullets from Tatum right now. Everyone is catching and on the opposite end of the floor, we saw a tweet from Grant Williams talking about the Celtics being the number one defense in the league right now. They're teetering with the Warriors back and forth. But he also put in that tweet that Robert Williams III and Marcus Smart are two players that you don't want to get caught on if you're an NBA player, you know, defend, being defended on by the on the floor. So do you think the two of them should be highly considered as defensive players of the year? Well, I, I had a conversation with our good friend, Robert Williams III, and I asked him about that. And um, I can't really repeat all the words he said because some of them are not for, for, for you know. Not safe for the children that may be listening. But basically his point was there's no way in the world that Marcus Smart should not be, forget about the conversation, he should be that guy. Uh, and and, I, and here's the thing. This year, maybe more than any other season, This is the best shot Marcus Smart is going to have at winning that award because there really is no clear-cut leader of the pack when it comes to defensive player of the year. When you you think about the guys who typically are in the hunt for that, Draymond Green has been injured for significant stretches. Uh, Rudy Gobert, he's been pretty good, but his team hasn't been as dominant defensively as they've been in the past. And his stats, while good, they're not all that significantly better than when you look at a guy like Robert Williams who, again, I think has emerged, but I don't think he has the body of work. Marcus Smart has been the difference maker on the best defensive team in the NBA. Uh, He has led this troop. He has led them in terms of his actions. He's led them in terms of his his words. And he's led them in terms of what matters more than anything else, winning the damn game. Um, Marcus Smart has – he's been that guy. Uh, he's been that guy. And, and the, you know, the thinking is pretty simple. I mean, if you're the best defensive player on the best defensive team, at a minimum, you should be in a conversation. But when you start looking at what he's doing, even from a metric standpoint, uh, it's, it's pretty clear that Marcus Smart should be in that conversation and be the first guard to get serious consideration for that award. You know, probably since Gary Payton. Yeah, I think that he, like Sherrod said, this might be his best chance. Um, I know he missed some games Earlier this season, uh, with the uh, the calf injury, but the I want to say the quad injury. I know uh, you know he's, he's he's been a little banged up, but um, I think that he he has definitely been that bulldog kind of defender. And I think Sherrod's also right in the sense that there isn't um, 
sorry. Uh, there isn't a um, clear cut favorite. Like there isn't that person who is like, oh man, that dude locking up folks every night. I mean, there's, you know, I said the Go Bears and, uh, and Shiraz said, you know, uh, Patrick Beverly's, you know, can you put him in there? Uh, is there is there a guy that's like just standing out? You know, Ben Simmons ain't playing this year. Ben Simmons was I voted for him last year. Um, you know, when he actually played, and uh, so obviously he ain't a candidate. Like sure I said with Draymond, Draymond was probably the front runner until he got hurt. So there's a lot of uh, guys who just kind of are not having great years. So I think if the Celtics end up being one of the top two, three defenses in the NBA, Smart's got a good shot, you know, because usually it is a big man, the guy who's rim protecting, um, but there isn't that guy this year that you look in the league and you're like, Anthony Davis has not played a lot this year. You know, there is not that shut down, you know, oh no defender uh, in the league like there has been uh, in previous years. And the guys that, that are, you know, are playing, I think, really good defense – when I look at a guy like Joel Embiid, when I look at a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, very good defenders, but because of what they do at the other end of the floor, you don't really recognize or appreciate what they're doing defensively. And I think that works in Marcus's favor because people aren't paying no attention to what the hell he's doing on offense. Uh, when they think about Marcus Smart, the player, it's like um, he plays defense. That's kind of what he do. He's, he's, a, he's He doesn't suck offensively, but his defense is so much significantly better that becomes the narrative that people lock into. And when you lock into that narrative, you look at the fact that, statistically speaking, he's right up there with the best wings. Uh, the only other wing I think is playing pretty close to him uh, is Mikhail Bridges in Phoenix, who has been – Mikhael Bridges probably might get votes, yes. Yeah, he's going to get some votes. But Marcus Smart is as good or better than him. The team's defense is better than Phoenix's. And, uh, again, he's kind of like – when I was talking about Giannis and Joel, Mikhail is a, a good offensive player. And he's seen more as a two-way guy, whereas Marcus is seen as a defender who can knock down some shots from time to time. Um, I think, he, again, I think this is the best shot he's ever going to have at winning that award this year. I love that point because I would like to think that Celtics fans, really since the time that I've gotten to Boston, They've always seen Marcus Smart as their defensive player of the year, obviously with that Celtics-Boston bias. But to that point, the fact that they won are the number one defensive team, and that's giving media attention to the Celtics overall, but also the fact that he is obviously that defensive leader, I, I think does really do give him a shot. Because I can't think of a year where Celtics fans have not said, we want Marcus as our defensive player of the year. But the focus wasn't on Boston at that time, so that makes a lot of sense. But I do want to give a quick shout out, as always, to our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. March Madness is in full swing. I've been watching both the men's and women's games. I couldn't tell you who's going to win. So that's definitely a reason why you should be putting money on BetOnline.ag. If you haven't done so already, our promo code is CLNS50. Get yourself some March money so you can go into April maybe with a little more coin. <laughs> um, obviously, it's not just basketball, though. They have UFC, they have boxing, and hockey, of course, as well. Maybe not baseball, because we don't know what's going on with that sport right now. But again, BetOnline, they're number one de betting destination. Use our promo code CLNS50 for that sign-on bonus. And we are looking forward to the Celtics 
Hornets matchup. There are a lot of storylines. Usually when they play opponents like that, we have Terry Rozier, Lonzo, uh, Lonzo Mello Ball. But of course, the big story is Isaiah Thomas, who has been making some news. What do you guys think we'll see from this reunion of sorts with the Boston Celtics and Isaiah Thomas on the floor? I hope, well, Corny, I just hope that happens. I hope he gets on the floor. Because yeah. he, you know, <laughs> after they signed him, they played him, and then they didn't play him at all. Gary and I were, we were both talking like we don't see him there. So I'm like, yeah. maybe we will. <laughs> yeah, because Gary and I, we were at the the uh, the Brooklyn uh, Charlotte game uh, mm. the other night. Oh, yeah. And I'm just thinking that he's going to play at some point. Because mm-hmm. even for the simple fact that, I wouldn't say that there is a dislike for Kyrie because I don't think that's it. But you better believe that Isaiah remembers all too well that Kyrie is kind of part of that point in his life when things went went crazy. Kyrie's and, always been part of his life because Kyrie was also the number one pick the same year he was drafted and he was the last pick. So, and, 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 Isaiah, and the thing we know about Isaiah Thomas is he is a competitor. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that was missing in that Charlotte Hornets roster the other night they didn't compete until they had moments where they did but overall they just weren't competitive enough and that's the one thing you can count on from Isaiah Thomas I would have I'm not really understanding why he's not getting more of a shot with the Hornets because the very essence of who he is is the one thing your team doesn't have enough of that's why you sign guys to 10-day contracts so they can give you something you don't got um and you know the, the conversation about the Hornets and their head coach that's a conversation for another day um, I, cause it, it is what it is, but I would love to see him play because I do think he can help that team be more competitive with the Celtics, which at this point is all they really need at this point to be more competitive. Cause you can't win unless you compete. That's facts. Yeah. I mean, um, Isaiah, you know, you, you, you hope that it works out for him. Um, you know, I can't really, it's hard to judge on 10-day contracts whether he still has it because he's not getting the opportunity. It's not like a team is like, okay, Isaiah, go out there and play 35 minutes for us. Okay. He's getting stretches. I mean, I saw him in a hot, you know, with the stretches with the Lakers where he hit some shots, but he wasn't hitting shots, you know, really like at the clip he did before. Okay. So if Isaiah stops being a shot maker, then his effectiveness goes way down on the court because it's not like he's going to stop anybody defensively. So he's got to hit shots. So hopefully he'll get an opportunity to be that guy who can come off the bench and light it up a little bit. Hopefully he's still up to that because I just think that's what um, we're talking about right now. Like the days of Isaiah doing this and and all that probably aren't going to happen. You know, he's 33 now and in basketball years, that's not young for some people. It's young. For some ball players, 33 is their prime. For LeBron, that was no problem, you know. But for uh, some guys, that's you know nearing the end. That's the back nine. So I hope that he can, because we all love Isaiah. He was a great guy to cover, you know. He was he was a his stint in Boston was amazing. Um, you know, I don't blame Danny Ainge for trading him because no one knew that Kyrie was going to blow the spot up. No one knew what was going to happen with Kyrie Irving. No, like Kyrie Irving in 2017 was a completely different figure than he was in 2022. Like he was just, oh, he he wants his own team. He started playing in LeBron's shadow, so on and so forth. That's understandable, right? Um, but he's the guy that hit the biggest shot and the biggest, you know, moment in Cleveland sports history in terms of winning that championship in 2016. So 
people really didn't know what was going to happen with Kyrie when he got to Boston. It ended up not going well, obviously. So it's easy to play, you know, Monday morning quarterback when it comes to that trade. I don't, it wasn't, you know, for them to dump him when he was at his lowest point, he was hurt, his sister passed away in that tragic car accident, all of what he gave to the organization. Do I think, could Brad has signed to a 10-day, yes. I understand the perception of, well, if it doesn't work out, then you're releasing them again. You look worse. I could see that. However, the Celtics had hung on some, some to some people that, you know, they hung on to Shimmy. I like Shimmy. They hung on to Carson Edwards. They hung on to Taco and Tremont. Like, they hung, and those are two ways and not 10 days, but they hung on, like, the, the Heat have Udonis Haslam. Are they trying to – is Udonis scoring for them? Is Udonis no, rebounding for them? Never, yeah. Is Udonis doing anything besides the leadership? Like yeah. Now, will, will Isaiah complain that he wants to play? Maybe, because Isaiah likes to talk, and I think sometimes his social media activity and some of the comments over the years have gotten him in trouble because he, he's, he keeps it real, he's honest. Yeah. Which is great for us as a mm. as journalist. It's great for us, but I also think – that sometimes you got to learn, like, I'm not going to say nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, because the perception is he's going to be like, oh, I, well, if I was out there, well, you, we all know what would happen there. It would be this, yeah. you know. And and it, I just think the Celtics management is just sometimes mm-hmm. too damn stringent, too conservative. Take a damn chance, you know. Um, sign somebody who isn't, you know, who might not work out because you have held on to some of these dudes too damn long. Carson, Shimmy, Taco. I love Taco. You know, Tremont Waters. Like, you didn't held on to these cats. You know, you signed Ennis Freedom. You signed, you know, it's like, come on now. I mean, you can't give Isaiah a 10-day and get, get him an honest look and be like, listen, if it doesn't work out, I don't think Celtic fans, if he goes two for 20 from the field, right, and he doesn't cut it, I don't think Isaiah – fans will be like, oh, you're screwing him over. No, they'll be like, it didn't work. But we yeah. love to see him back. It was good. Now, you know, it, it, it's just, I just don't like, I think he made a point. I, I think it was, a, his comments were sad. Yeah. It was revealing that Brad, he's like, damn, Brad, really? But they signed in Keelan Pitts? And it, that brother ain't played. They signed Al Farouk Aminu. They signed uh, they just girl. got Nick Stoskis. Yeah, they signed. Uh, Who's out of the league? What's the what's the kid? What's, they signed Norvell Pelly. Mm-hmm. They signed uh, what's the dude who didn't play? Like you know Joe Johnson, and you know they signed what's the uh, CJ Miles? Like everybody. Really? Yeah. I'm sure Isaiah. I'm talking really. I'm sure Isaiah's like hold up. Mm-hmm. Like that's I think he's got a point there because they didn't sign some dude just to fill some spots. And they signed these two. Cats to 10 days or whatever um, that ain't going to play, okay? And and, it, well, and then he may doing the whole, we don't have a need a point guard. You don't have a need a point guard. You don't have a back. You don't have a backup to Marcus, man. Like, don't tell me, oh, you thought all along Peyton was that guy. You didn't because you traded Dennis Schroeder. Okay, so who's your backup? Peyton? The guy you didn't play for the first half of the year? Oh, that we had no issues. We knew. Like, stop that. You didn't have confidence in Peyton. So don't act like point guard wasn't an issue. It was. And I say, you know, true point. So you can play him at the two. 
So that whole thing, well, we didn't ever need a point guard. Yes, you did. You you need you probably they probably need another point guard right now. You trust Peyton as a and I, I like Peyton. He's hitting shots, but do you trust him for the rest of the season through the playoffs as being a backup primary backup point guard? Or could they use another ball hand? Could they use a DJ Augustine? Could they use that? Someone like that. Uh, somebody just hey, control the offense. Okay, this play we're going to run, Jason. You set the play that type of play. commanding floor presence. Could they? Yeah. Yes. So the whole we don't need a point guard when you just traded your backup point guard. Come on, man. Like I get it. You don't want to bring him back. He doesn't defend. Okay. Uh, like you know, Isaiah defended back then. Isaiah was a great. Def- He's a stopper back then. Like. You know, Isaiah was, a, was was Gary Payton five years ago? No. You don't sign him for his defense. You sign him to his shots to give your organization a boost. And why, honestly, you owe him one. You dealt him when he played on a bad hip for three months. And so I'm not saying if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If he's two for 30 from the field, Isaiah, it was nice. But the heat, that's the difference. The heat. Why they bring back Haslam back? It ain't the play. You got roster spots open. You didn't wasted roster spots over the years because you were afraid to admit that you burned, you messed up in the draft. Mm-hmm. They held on to Romeo and they traded Romeo away. Oh, we, Romeo's a prospect. Till he till we find the right deal for his ass. Like to me, it's I understand the reasoning, but it's that conservative Celtic thing that. You want the, that type of culture where people feel like they can come back to the organization and be welcomed, and they and they can be they're they're a Celtic for life, and you give him a shot. Not saying sign him for the year. I'm not saying sign him for two year deal. But you just sign Nick Stauskas for two years off the street. Like Isaiah is like, hold up. Like I think he's got an argument. Yes. Like I do think it's kind of messed up. Yes. It's the business of the league. It's a big boy league, big girl league. So you grow up and you wipe the tears off your face and keep it moving. But I do think Isaiah had a point. I do think the Celtics could have did him solid, get, took, took a look at him. Yeah. If it didn't work, I thought they should have kept Joe Johnson, for my opinion. Me too. Like a 40-year-old dude who's been – he couldn't help your young guys? But you got Bruno Fernando? Like what? What are we doing? Like, come yeah. on! If you're gonna use your roster spots and you're gonna make it a prospect, okay? A guy's like, no, we ain't letting that dude. That dude gonna be some, or you know, if you okay, you use it on Sam Hauser. You think Sam Hauser can be a shooter? No problem. He he probably can. He's got that potential to grow into a shooter for next year. But you had Bruno Fernando in his cancer. You know, you had some. You was wasting roster spots. You had Romeo chilling. Like, you know, to me, you could – and then I said, Alfred Camino, C.J. Miles, Norvell Pelly, the two guys now, they signed Justin Jackson. Like, hey, come on. I just like, man, I can't get a 10-day? Because <laughs> yeah. afraid the Celtic faithful that the Isaiah contingent is going to um, have a problem if you let him go. It's like, no. That's like – deal with that if that's what happens. You know what – you, I think the bigger concern about bringing him back wasn't so much that he didn't have anything left in the tank, but what if he does? 
What does that mean to your team dynamics going forward? What does that mean to Peyton Pritchard, who at that point, if he comes in, he's balling out. Bye-bye, Peyton, because they really don't have value for at that point. And if for some reason he's pretty good but not great, what is that going to do to Peyton's development? What is that going to do to the to the Tatum-Brown dynamic? Because remember, you're bringing a guy back who obviously has been out of the game for, for more than a hot minute, but this is a guy that was a top-five finisher in the league MVP race. This is a guy who has played at the highest of levels in the most critical games with the kind of emotional baggage that most guys would keep their ass home, let alone show up in the gym, let alone show up in the gym and show out on the court like he did. Bringing a guy that has all that in him, it forces you to potentially reevaluate how you do everything. If you don't want to have that issue, if you don't want to have that potential, what do you do? Exactly what they did. Nothing. And you exp- and you you try to explain it away, but the more you talk about it, the less sense you make while you're talking about it. It does zero harm to bring in a guy who has given more to this organization than any individual player in the last 10 years. When you talk about the things he played through, the level in which he played at, it doesn't make any sense other than the fact that this might be a guy that could potentially change the trajectory of a lot of players that you already invested heavily in, and you don't want to deal with that. And 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 I and listen, no shade at Brad Stevens for doing that because Gary, to the point that you made, Gary, about how they have a tendency to hold on to guys longer, I don't think that's a problem for Brad Stevens. I, in fact, I think that's a Danny Ainge issue because Brad, in the short time he's been GM. What did he do? Got rid, of, got rid of Kimba. Mm-hmm. Got rid of Romeo. He got rid of a lot of the guys that we're kind of shaking our head with. I'm not really sure that guy should be in the mix. And Brad's like, I am. He's gone. Bye-bye. It also brought back some players that when they were let go or like were allowed to leave, like Al Horford, have come back and have still been productive. So I right. think to your point about Isaiah Thomas, it could have still been the same. And that's outfit. why Isaiah is probably even more pissed because, damn, right. Al basically yeah, Al. said, keep y'all right. money. I'm going to go get mm-hmm. money elsewhere. Peace. Right. And Daniel Tice was just like Stone Cold Chill, like, what, what? I'm, I'm traded? Or, mm-hmm. Oh, damn. Okay. That's yeah. the thing. I just and think, Isaiah's just like, damn. I just think, what does you the know, five nine brother got to do to get back on yeah, the team? Yeah, what do I do? He understands the polarizing figure, yeah. you know. I mean, That's my, his strength. That's my, his superpower, not my, a weakness. My Twitter reaction yesterday was people, it's over, he's done to – that's messed up Celtics. You ain't you ain't treating them right. It's either yeah. or, right? Um, you know, but I do think that the organization does give owe him a solid. He literally risked his career. He took a bullet, as I asked him the other day, for all the players who were criticized for playing hurt, not playing hurt. The Kawhis and the Damian Lillards, all these guys. Oh, you could get out there playing hurt, man. You ain't, you, know, you ain't like seventies, eighties. Yeah. They, they Magic was playing with, you know, like no. million dollars playing on a bad hip for your organization taking y'all to the Eastern Conference Finals, mm-hmm. and y'all can't sign me to a ten. Y'all can't take a look at me. And I think he's a big boy to know if it didn't work. It didn't work out twice with the Lakers with like. You know, it didn't work. I think he's used to that now. But damn, I mean, you can't give him a look. 
This is the one organization that, of all the teams he's been around, think, he damn, was pretty confident they would give him a look. I mean, right. you know, I mean, damn, come on now. The Lakers brought back the White. They re-signed Avery Brett. Like, you know, you you can get rid of a guy, you can bring him back. Like, this is the league. Ain't nobody going to be, you know, burning down Causeway Street if he goes, if he's terrible and, and he doesn't renew his 10-day. It wouldn't look good for a couple of days, but it's like, well – even Lance Stevenson got back in the game. Yeah, he so. didn't get it done. Okay. Like, he got a shot. It didn't work out. I don't think – I think he's a big boy. He understands this game. So, I do think that he has a gripe there. You mm-hmm. know, it, it, it'd be different if – well, the Celtics roster is stacked. You know, they got all these guys. Like, no, they don't. <laughs> they carry in two 10-day bras. Like, I think he'd be the first to admit that it is a business, but Bruno to your Fernando, point, he rightfully yes, has a stripe. Yeah, where's Bruno Fernando now? <laughs> we I don't talk about you. Bruno. Is he? Where's Where's Ennis? Like you are carrying He's guys. Where's Carson Edwards? Yeah, where's Carson? Like you're carrying guys. Where's Tremont? Like you're carrying. You are carrying guys over the years that aren't NBA caliber players, and you holding on to them cats. Like to me. Don't tell me Isaiah done forgot all what he what how to score. Don't tell me he don't he scored 47 five in the damn G League 41 points. Yeah. He still played basketball. Come on. Let's yeah. be honest. The Celtics think Nick Scouts ain't learned, like, ain't forgot how to shoot. He scored 57. And they signed him to a two-year deal, non-guaranteed next year. But his agent, there's five teams. He made there was five teams after that dude. So where are we at here? What do we do? Like, to me, I just think he's got a gripe, you know, and I think people always oh, talk too much. Just let it go. I say, you know, okay, great. But look at what he sacrificed. Do y'all remember? He put the his heart on the line truck. and body on the line. For that the backup the Brinks truck was funny because was. he wanted to be maxed and he had that Honestly, chip on I the I still make that joke. I'm not even going to hold you, but he knew his worth in that moment. And even though that didn't translate into him having the long lasting career that he wanted in the moment, when you look at what he brought to the team, he was that valuable in, yeah. in that moment. And I, again, I know that's not how it works. If, but, if Carl Anthony Towns doesn't land on his hip on a drive, he gets maxed. You know, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Isaiah at that point, he, you know I mean? Gary, we've talked about having like a sucker list. Isaiah Thomas, I think it had a, I'm better than that MF list. And he and when it, when he was coming up on free agency, he's like, he got that much. I bust him and his team. He getting mm-hmm. this much. Yup, I took like him that. to school too. That dude. Yup, he got the homeschool treatment because I went in his crib and dropped thirty five on him in mm-hmm. front of his daddy and his mama. And he's thinking yeah. like, oh, he can score. I'm good. Like, yeah. he just forgot how to score. Like he just forgot. Like oh, he lost a step. Like a lot of, like. Isaiah's game was never based on mad, mad quickness. It was, it was craftiness more than quickness. Not to say he was slow. He was not slow, That's believe me. But it was craftiness. Mm-hmm. When you're five nine, you, you like it's like it's like you know, and you've been playing. I know about Isaiah Thomas. I worked at the Seattle Post Intelligencer, and I'm gonna give my man a shout out. This guy named Mike McLaughlin, who covered preps, was like, Gary, there is a dude who is a Curtis High School in Tacoma, Washington named Isaiah Thomas, who is literally 15 years old, who is killing the state tournament. Wow. Right? He was, a, he was in 11th grade. And he was then, like, he was, like, five freaking five. Right? And he was killing it. 
So I've known Isaiah since then. Then yeah. he committed to you. You committed to Washington. So I've been following Isaiah. He's 15 years old. You're small, and you know how to play against bigger players your whole life. You know how to get into the paint, the score, all them. Remember, remember they were switching. Washington was switching Markeith Morris onto him, and he scored on Markeith, like Mark six six eleven Markeith. He was embarrassing him. Like, don't tell me he didn't forget all that. He hasn't. I'm not saying he's an all-star. I'm not saying he has a lost step. He's 33. But don't tell me that some of these dudes on the end of these benches or the Celtics, the, the guys that Celtics have brought in over the last couple of years are better or better fit. And if this mm. dude can be a leader, he says he can be a mentor. We saw him the other night against Brooklyn. He's the stand, all the dudes on Charlotte because Charlotte is slumping. Okay. We can talk about how they've un- – the biggest underachieving team all year. The Celtics were in front of that line. They're behind the Lakers. Yeah, the Lakers. in front of that line, exactly, Till about two months ago, and now it's Charlotte and the Lakers. Charlotte, and there's Isaiah standing on the bench doing that. You know, like he's playing the role he's supposed to play. I mean, you if he could do that, can you imagine him in the garden telling people to get up with a towel? Like, yeah, get up. Like, yeah, exactly. Really? We've been getting up and be like, like come on. Like, Look, come on. Like, they have a media section to do. do that. If he's like, listen, if he's playing 10 minutes a game or here, here playing here, playing there, not like, I don't think it's a, I don't think he's going to be like, man, I need to play 40 minutes a game or I'm out of here. What, what are your options, Isaiah? Like back, back to Tacoma to work out. Like he understands that he's been he's humble. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that that he should have been humble, but I just I just think the whole like, well, we we you know we don't want the backlash and the pressure from the fans how to play you like no, your organization you're the 17 championships deal with that pressure. Mm-hmm. You ain't Minnesota, Charlotte, or, or, or freaking yeah. deal with that. Like, come on, Brad and Danny, step step up to that. Danny knows that that wasn't you know you trade to do this damaged goods that need like. You know, and I'm not saying again, hey, everybody thought you bring Kyrie, you got a chance to get the most di- one of the most dynamic point guards of the generation, which Kyrie is. Saw him the other night score 50. Kyrie still got game. You could talk all about his off the court stuff, his crazy, you know, his eccentric, the, you know, scoring girlfriend, all that. The bro, bro, the bro got game. He just does, right? Yeah. You know, so no one argued the trade, but. Danny's got to shake, feel a little bit bad. Like, man, I, you know, I didn't do my man quite right with that, you know. And to me, I just think you could, you could, if you want to, you could do it. And I think that Celtic, the Isaiah faithful, would understand if he was not good and you moved on from him. You know, I mean, they would. Yeah. You mentioned Kyrie and the scoring girlfriend. And for those who may not have heard the quote, I'm gonna quickly read it but he compared Celtics fans to the scorned girlfriend what wants an explanation on why I left, but still hoping for a text back, even though he did ask Celtics fans to have him if they would, you know, at a season See, ticket holder event, but that's neither here nor there. That, yeah. oh, what were we going to say? What were we say? Another, that's another segment for another that, day. That wasn't even the focus. I, I just want to bring it up for those who may not have heard the quote, but we do want to look forward to Thursday night prime time. That's Sixers. Um, Next matchup where Kyrie will be playing against the 
well, Ben Simmons will not be on the floor for that game. But what do we think about – we have to talk about Ben Simmons, I think, every episode. That's why I felt as though we have to bring it up. But what do we think – when do we think we'll see Ben Simmons back on the floor at this point? Ben Simmons will be back on the floor before the playoffs. <laughs> the day after. <laughs> the, the, way, the way it's – just folks I've been speaking with, they, it, it seems as though the goal is to get 10 games, at least 10 games with Ben playing with them before they get to the playoffs. So you're probably looking at another week, maybe two, before he gets back. And, again, he the fact that he's, I think, beginning to travel a little bit with the team speaks mm-hmm. to how he's kind of getting closer to being able to play. And I guess this back injury or back issue that flared up recently is partly why the delay has been as long as it's been. But m- my thing is, is this. I, I think Ben and, and Steve Nash, when he was in Boston, he talked about this, about how Ben's game seems to be a very, you know, an ideal fit for his team. And I agree with that. But here's the problem. And we saw this in Brooklyn before. No matter how talented your core is, they need to have chemistry. Because you're not winning a championship unless your core has chemistry. The one thing that has separated the Celtics from a lot of the teams that they're smashing now is they have great chemistry now. Everyone seems to have a role, understand what that role is, is executing that role, and the result is ass-whipping after ass-whipping for teams. Brooklyn, I'm not sure there's going to be enough time before they can get to that point. And, and, you know, if they don't start playing better between now and then, they're going to have to play in that damn playing game. And that's I'm, listen, all bets are off if you are in that type of situation where you've got one game you got to win. Uh, it becomes very much NCAA tournament-like, where you may be the higher seed, you may have the better team, but you know what? You just might have an off-night shooting a rock that night. And that other team just might be feeling themselves, might be feeling that everything they throw up is going to go in, and damn near it, it, it turns out that way. And next thing you know, you are losing or you're in a, a dogfight you didn't expect to be in. Ben Simmons will play, I would say, sometime late March, but he's going to play before they get to the playoffs. They, there's no way they can go into the postseason without having a some games. And, and my understanding is that ideally they'd like to have 10 games under his belt with this team before they get to the playoffs. That makes sense. So the yeah. Celtics, as we – oh. Gary, did you have a point? No, I'm just looking forward to it. Just yeah. Forward to it. Yeah. Get your popcorn. Get your popcorn. The Celtics are half Ooh, a game yes. behind Chicago uh, for fourth in the East. What are we thinking that they need to keep up with this next game, this next few games that they're going to have on this stretch? What do they need to do to keep this momentum of working their way up in the East? Because we, we, I think last week we said four might be the cap for them but is it at this point i don't think it is Other um, I, mean, I, would, I mean and I'll, I'll be real quick with this i think there are just two things they need at this point health and humility health to just keep their core guys healthy so that they, they're not having to reconfigure their rotation and stick with the guys who are playing now and and humility don't believe the hype uh don't understand that what got you here is your grind not the glory that came after the grind don't fall prey and susceptible to believe in a hype and you know as 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 ll cool k would say keep doing it doing it doing it well my my words <laughs> straight from my lips to god's ears it's just awful that's awful that was smooth i can't even be mad exceptional gary Washington. gary is for the cap for these celtics um for no but i think it's probably the best they're going to do. Their, their schedule is difficult to end. I mean, they, 
They still got games, Dallas, Golden State, Denver, Utah, Toronto, Miami, Chicago, Milwaukee, Memphis. I mean, that's I mean, that's a, a tough road. Um, they end the season with three straight road games at Chicago, at Milwaukee, at Memphis. I mean, that's that's a tough, you know that could have been better planned out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a, obviously they didn't play it that way, but it's ending the, the season game. with three days in Memphis, mm-hmm. I'm good with that. That's a tough road. So if I'm, you know, they've got to get the games that are winnable tonight mm-hmm. or Charlotte, and then Detroit on Friday. You got Minnesota, Indiana, Washington. You know, like they've got to get the games, and then that West Coast trip. They can't go two and two. Like mm-hmm. you got to get Sacramento, Oklahoma City, and then get one of either Golden State or Denver. I think, um, you know, you know the Warriors not playing great right now. Denver's playing well with Jokic. You know, Sacramento's a sneaky game because they don't play well there. And then, you know, OKC. Eh, you would think that that's an easy one for them, but because half the Thunder is out for the season, but uh, they've got to just remain consistent. And like, I'm not gonna say Sherrod's doing it well and all that. Uh, I can't. That. That's ridiculous, but, you know. Um, What's the matter, guy? Do you, do you need love, Gary? Is that what you need? You need love? Sherrod, <laughs> half the people don't know these songs. You know, like, that's 1987. We need a, a whole playlist for our podcast as well. Yeah, like, just go, go, go on a musical music app and, and just yeah. look up LL Cool yeah. J Greatest Hits. Yeah, please. Thank you. You can't just drop I Need Love. That song is 35 years old. It's a classic, Gary. It is. You see what I mean? I change it no longer. You know, the Playboy on the Run, I Need Love, something that's stronger. Yeah, like that's that's a classic rap's first love song. One of the great rap love songs of all time. It was. Speaking of that, Kwani, I'm watching, I want to get your thoughts. Yeah. Watching BC here, and the women had on these jerseys last week. Yes. The men are wearing these jerseys that say the heights on them. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be like our, I don't know if people are aware or familiar with Boston College, but the, I don't even know the full history to be honest, but we call ourselves the height, the, the heights, like the, in the way that the campus is like planned out and slated. I don't really hate the men's heights jerseys, but they're definitely different. In a sense that I've never seen anything like that when I was there or even before that. So I'm not sure what inspired them to decide, all right, we're going to put the heights on the jerseys. But did you yeah, hate the them? Women, I saw the women last week. Yeah, the beat women. The, beat the brakes off Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, speaking had, of Syracuse, did you see the men? Yeah, we're not I talking about the men right now. We're talking I about Buddy Bay. I saw Buddy Bay throwing body blows. That's what I saw. <laughs> Buddy Bayheim in his eighth ACC tournament. Uh, throwing body blows, but yeah, they, mm-hmm. they Florida State just didn't show up. I was, I, I was a little it's disappointed. It's not out of Florida State. I was a little disappointed in Leonard's boys today. I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I told you before, Syracuse is going to ruin somebody's season in the ACC tournament. So who's next, Duke? We got. Just, I was going to bring that up. We saw that Coach Krzyzewski's last game at Cameron was a failure. So I feel as though they're trying to take it all. Oh, it, he said I, the way he was disappointed, it looked like his bench looked like they knew they were about to get a, a whooping after <laughs> that whole ceremony because it, it was just straight face. So I, I'm looking, I don't know. The ACC tournament's obviously 
still in play right now, but it looks like he is not trying to go out that way. But BC did make it past the first round, which is a big deal. Yeah, in playing, the, we're playing the now, we're playing Wake well, right Forest. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. But good, you know, I, I'm, I think BC's, you know, they're, I've talked to Dana Barrows about this. They're, they're potential to, to really grow and rise mm-hmm. over the last the next couple of years. So, you know, it's good to see them competitive. That recruiting the game up. That's really what they need. And they need more shooters in general. They need to bring Dana on board. They need better players, but yeah. Um, there we go. We got some college talk in there as well. What do you guys have coming up this week for your multiple jobs? We're all hustlers out here in, in the positive sense. I don't the hustle society. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. Gary, do you have any columns that we should be looking forward to? I, we, as we always should be looking forward to, but anything. Well, that's just common do. sense for us to do that. So, of course. <laughs> uh, this weekend, obviously, Detroit on Friday, Dallas with Kevin Garnett's jersey retirement on Sunday should be very yes. interesting. Very big the deal. Stories coming from stories coming from that. Um, I might sneak into the Ivy League tournament uh, nice. this weekend at Harvard. Harvard ain't in it though. Poor, t- it's been a tough year for Tommy. Yeah, but yeah, um, there you know, the, the Ivy League turn. If you want to watch some good college basketball, Levitas Pavilion's a spot. Uh, some good women's and men's teams teams playing for those two tournament spots. So I might be hang out there on Saturday, see what happens there. But yeah, and then and then the road trip, uh, West Coast. So there's a lot coming up. Nice. Sharad. Yeah, I'll I'll be joining Garrett for part of that the West Coast road trip. I can't do it all because I got got to educate my students at BU one of them days, so I can't make it for the whole yeah. trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's that. I'll have stuff. Uh, Ebony uh, coming just did a kind of Women's History Month story, just really looking at how you know with March Madness here, it's a reminder of just how unequal uh, women's basketball, particularly for Black female basketball players, um, how just opportunities in terms of media attention and in terms of financial uh, opportunities, they're just not getting a fair shake, even though they are the ones driving the growth of the game. Um, so I, I focus on Aaliyah Boston at South Carolina, who's awesome. Nice. Um, nice. I mean, she's she the truth. Yeah. Uh, and yet you hardly hear her name when you talk about folks who are benefiting significantly through name, image, and likeness. She's got mm-hmm. some deals, but for a player of her stature, she um, should be the best team in the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And the best player on the best team in the country, we don't really see enough and hear enough about her. So, um, well, I just think that the people have a problem with how Paige Rutgers at UConn and Caitlin, uh, mm-hmm. I want to say Caitlin Smith, I'm not at sure. Iowa. At Iowa, are mm-hmm. promoted in terms of women's college basketball yeah. in comparison to Leah Boston. And I know. Uh, Coach Don Staley has pointed out that he she think it might be a racial element to it. Like you have the two, first, I mean, both all three are going to be first team All American players, right? But there's Rutgers, always the UConn bias too, so that's already had an injury. But she should be. I don't know if she will because only because games missed. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it's oh she dropped forty something, but Boston and also Boston's a post player, but mm-hmm. not enough conversations about her in comparison to the young ladies from UConn and Iowa, and is there an element there that the NCAA or whoever, ESPN, wants to promote um, a certain-looking type of player or a certain style of player for women's basketball over, let's say, 
the uh, Boston yeah. from South Carolina. I think that's an interesting concept, an interesting debate to have. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, reading Sherrod's article on that. But I do think that there's a difference when – what's her name? The young lady from Iowa scores uh, 40-some points. It's, it's headliners or whatever. It's a big headline. You know, she did it again. Um, but I think it, with Boston, it's like, oh, well, she's supposed to do that, right? You know, mm-hmm. she's bigger and stronger than everybody. So, yeah, it was a good, good, good debate there. Yeah. I think as we continue, yeah. Go ahead, Courtney. No, I was just going to say, as we continue to normalize the conversations about around women's basketball, women's sports in general, I think it'll hopefully get further away from that. But I, I think we right now just have to highlight the players that aren't getting enough love. And I, I feel as though I see more about, Boston on Twitter, just the WNBA timeline, not that's obviously not WNBA player yet, but just like women's basketball Twitter versus actual formal media outlets. So I think when the public outcry becomes so big, eventually the media has no choice but to talk about it in the long run. Yeah. yeah and I also did something on LeBron James, basically putting father time in check again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the the stuff about Aaliyah Boston. That's that's a for me that that was far more important, significant work I've done recently. Just because it's, it's a bigger deal, man. It's 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 a, it's an issue that the NCAA and and the WNBA to a lesser extent needs to really start thinking about, like just the way that their athletes are marketed and promoted. And is there, as Gary pointed out, question is there a racial component to that? Uh, I'm not saying there is. I'm not saying there isn't, but. The question should be asked because of the optics of, of how the game of women's basketball is, is being kind of laid out and portrayed to us. And while we're talking about the number one seeded Gamecocks, if you haven't done so already, definitely look into betonline.ag when it comes to your March Madness needs, whether that's the women's game or the men's game. But you can use our promo code CLNS50 to do so. If you haven't done so already, sign up. For our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. And for Aisha Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani A. Lunas. This is AKA LL Cool K. LL Cool Lunas. Oh, I think it still works. No matter how you do it, it's just, it's just meant to be. This is the A-List podcast. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>